Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up on this Wednesday, October the 13th. It's a pretty exciting day as the Braves are, in fact, headed to the National League Championship Series after beating the Brewers 5-4 last night. Caleb Johnson in with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, how does it feel that that after a season like we've watched, that the Braves are truly, in fact, headed uh, onto another level of this playoff series? They're back, back, back in the NLCS. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, it's I, I was just on the radio this morning with John Fricky, just talking a little bit about the game, and you know, the whole day really kind of felt like a microcosm of the Brave season uh, overall, where they lose Jorge Soler going into the game, and it, that's something that the Braves have battled all year long, just losing guys in their order left and right, particularly outfielders. Um, yeah. Just you know, losing somebody like that unexpectedly. Um, you're not playing perfect baseball you know they made some mistakes during the game it, you know charlie morton was okay yeah not his probably his best stuff he was lively but not the command wasn't quite there uh, how he would have wanted it i'm sure um but you made it through you know you just you got the timely hits that you needed at the at the right moments and then obviously you have the huge hit for with for, for freddie freeman uh you know just him best you know it was the Braves best versus the Brewers best and that's what you want to see if you're a baseball fan that's the kind of that's exactly why you watch the postseason uh and it was awesome for us at least on this side of the 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 divide to see uh, Freeman come up so big in that moment it was just uh kind of a glorious game um to watch as a fan to to the way that it all unfolded yeah well so we can start there with the with the Freddie home run in the eighth inning uh there was a moment in Probably, maybe it was the sixth or seventh. I can't remember. Whatever Freddie batted before that, um, that I had this moment of thinking, you know, Freddie really never shows up in these moments. And it's one of those things that it's a very nitpicky thing to say, because obviously, like this, this city loves Freddie Freeman uh, and, and just honestly what he's brought talent wise to this team but I just kept thinking it it always seems like we get to the playoffs and Freddie just he he just kind of fits in with the rest of the team like there's never it's always someone else who has that picture moment where you know you're, you're walking off a game or as Jock Peterson has been kind of providing that crucial run support to win a game and then it comes up in the eight and it's kind of one of those like would this be a perfect time 
and then bam home run yeah and you know, oh sorry go ahead no Keep no it. go ahead I was going to say, you know, Snicker had kind of a funny kind of comment or story about this because somebody was asking, like, were you, what, you know, were you hoping for that? Like, what were you thinking when he came up to bat? And he, of course, is like, I was thinking about the next inning. I was thinking about whatever. Because, you know, with Josh Hader up there, you kind of figure that he's yeah. going to be successful a lot more often than not. I mean, he's probably the best reliever in all of baseball. And, um, and, and it was funny. Brian's like, um, whenever, whenever you're in that situation and you, and you do think, man, can we just get a home run here? Like that would be perfect. Wouldn't it? Um, that's when it never, ever, ever happens. <laughs> so it's like, you're better off just distracting yourself with other thoughts. And then it's like, voila, <laughs> which yeah. I'm sure is how it felt last night for him. Well, and, and then I think it also, it blew my mind too, that, uh, I think it was ESPN stats and info had that Freddie Freeman's the first player in franchise history to hit a a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning or later in the postseason for the Braves yeah <laughs> that's just one of those like what I mean I mean as as many playoff series as this team has been in over the years it just seems wild that that was really the the first true like uh heroic type uh of of home run for for the Braves and I mean it couldn't have come at a more perfect time it seals I, I mean I mean if there was ever a a a lingering doubt in my mind and, and I'll be honest with you there's been many doubts this season for me as to Freddie Freeman actually coming back to this baseball team just because things happen you know mm -hmm. th things happen and and decisions can be made uh based on results and money and a lot of other things but if there was ever a doubt in my mind this season that Freddie Freeman was was coming back to this baseball team, it was that swing. It was ending the game with Truist Park chanting Freddie. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was I, – I, that I, obviously, I wasn't there and you were. Uh, that had to have been just such a, a surreal um, moment for that ballpark. I mean, people were chanting his name – after the game was over, like, well, they, while they were just walking back to their cars. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's like when it hit me, I was like, man, what must it be like to be Freddie Freeman? And just like, yeah. what if like somebody was like, Caleb, Caleb, <laughs> Caleb, like, like, what? It's yeah. like you're like a god or something, you know? It's like, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, maybe, you know, part of that is just like the life of an athlete, I guess. But like when you're on the level of Freddie Freeman and you have the, the support from the hometown fans that he has, it's unbelievable. And, you know, even, it's not just the fans. I mean, Brian Snicker has talked about him again in the post-game uh, press conference about just, you know, how much he relies on Freddie as the manager of the team, as a guy who's not only one of your most important contributors um, production-wise just on the field, but he's a guy who's going to play every single day, something we've yeah. talked about before. Um, <laughs> and, and somebody that Snick is like, he's a guy who I can talk to on like a personal level to kind of like, you know, get um, – in touch with the clubhouse, just like get his opinion on the way guys, certain guys are feeling, you know, it always helps to have a sounding board like that and somebody that you can really trust. And so I think that that really speaks to a huge reason why he's really, you cannot allow him to, to go anywhere else. Like he's, he's so ingrained in this team, not just in terms of what he provides to you in terms of the game winning home runs, like he hit last night, but just the overall value cannot really be, 
Um, you can't like put a price tag on it, honestly, like to have somebody like that in the clubhouse is just phenomenal. And I was just so happy for him yesterday to have that moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. to, you know, I've never seen him like that, the, um, just how ecstatic he was rounding the bases and taking that curtain call. It was just awesome. Um, I don't, you know, the players, his teammates were asked about it as well after the game and, you know, they were saying they've never seen him fired up like that. And just seeing him that fired up got everybody else fired up because he's just normally so kind of stoic and and uh, reserved and keeps that calm demeanor. And so it was just it was just the perfect cap to an amazing season, an amazing series. And, you know, I think that it really sets the table really nicely for what we'll talk about later in the show um, when they go on to, to face either the Dodgers or the Giants. But, you know, it was just an awesome moment that was. Yeah, well, so let's nitpick. Uh, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind uh, is just game four starters. Uh, you and I came on here <clears throat> and talked a lot about what we thought this game was going to look like. And it included either Drew Smiley or Waskari Noah starting this game because mm-hmm. the idea was, well, the Braves are up two games to one. You know, this can clinch it. Uh, obviously, you know, it was, it was almost like this. Well, obviously, they're not going to send Charlie Morton back out there on three days rest. I mean, come on, that's not going to be the thing that Snit does because uh, it's not necessary because your back isn't up against the wall. Mm-hmm. And then we see Charlie Morton is, is starting the game. And I immediately tweeted out that I had this feeling of, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. it. Makes me very uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, Charlie Morton's thirty-seven years old. Uh, you know, this seems like the thing that backfires on you. And you know, it's kind of one of those. And every time I talk badly about the Braves, it's kind of one of those. Hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am absolutely wrong. And he goes out and he hits Colton Wong to start mm-hmm. the game. Second and pitch, I, was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or something, and, something like that. Yeah, and, and I was kind of like all right here we go you know like this is how we're gonna get this thing started and you could see uh through that first inning that things weren't sharp location wise Mm -hmm. but the velocity was there yeah and so it's kind of like all right right." i mean and then he gets through his outing and i mean so impressive uh you know and, and kind of that that veteran that arm that uh, that the Braves have really needed, and he, and he showed up in the moment. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised at how lively the, the stuff was coming out of his hand. I mean, he was 97, 98 with the yeah. fastball, just like, you know, if as good, if not a little bit better, maybe a tick better than than he might normally be. Um, but the commit, you're right. The command was not there. He he had a tendency to kind of tug on that um, on that fastball and, and and miss glove side. You know, on that left side of the plate for him, um, which is interestingly, it's the same way that he he the way he described the home run that he gave up to Rowdy Telez in Game One, which is they just t- just tugged on the fastball a little bit that was supposed to be on the outside part of the plate, came inside right into the wheelhouse of Rowdy, and he he was able to hit it out for the homer. But 
um, yeah, it was it was good to see him his arm look so live in that situation. Just considering his age, because that's kind of probably the thing you were maybe worried about most is that the the stuff just wasn't going to be as good, and he would end up being really hittable. So uh, he wasn't, um, you know, he but he you know he did make some some errors in that final inning. What was the end of the fourth inning? They fourth, kind of left yeah. some runners on base and uh, ended up giving up a couple. But um, you got to be you got to take I think uh, that that kind of outing from him probably. The way he went out there and performed was probably as good or better, maybe than you would have expected from a Drew Smiley or even a Oscar Yanoa who was in the picture, oh, yeah. who would end up pitching later in the game and, and wasn't so great. So, um, yeah, huge, huge credit to to Charlie Morton for going out there and and just being willing to to go out there and and pitch in that circumstance where um, it's very easy to look bad in when when you do that. But he, you know, I'm sure offered his services to do it clearly and. Um, you know, gave the Braves at least something to start the game with. Uh, and, and I'll say I actually was uh, heartened when I saw that he was going to be the starter in the game. Um, because as much as I was saying that I thought they would go to Drew Smiley to start, just because of some of the statistical matchups, the way that it, it would line up, um, the Brewers hitting left-handers and everything like that, um, was never confident <laughs> in Smiley, as I don't think we've really been super confident in Smiley all year. Um, so... I was heartened to see that Morton was going because that meant that he felt like he was up for it and uh, and they were willing to do it. They I, I think it really pointed to the fact that they knew that this one was a really important game to win because if they didn't win this game, then you're going back to Milwaukee um, playing on the road against the L, probably the NL Cy Young winner. Like that's you don't want any part of that game, no matter despite the fact that you have you would have Max Fried going for you. Um, and then winning this game also has the knock on benefits of being able to set yourself up perfectly going into the National mm-hmm. League Championship Series. So this game was really really important for them to win, despite the fact that it appeared like well the Braves have basically two shots at this thing to win it. Uh, I think. They it was really important that they got it done tonight or last night. Well, uh, that was like, so my whole thing was, I, I thought it was a bad idea to start Charlie. That was Caleb's personal opinion mm-hmm. because I was concerned about a 37 year old Charlie Morton. However, uh, you know, kind of when I saw the decision made it, it, it kind of falls in line with this entire playoff series with the way the season has kind of ended Whereas, like, these are not your typical Brian Snicker decisions. Yeah. Like, this is not how he typically manages ball games, how he sets up ball games, how he sets up playoff series, which to Braves, you know, to Braves fans should be a sigh of relief because if there's anything that Snitch showed us last night was he is going all out. Like, there is, there is, we are, we are not saving anybody uh we we are not you know looking far ahead we are looking game this game right here we have to win it mm-hmm. what are we going to do to make sure we win it and and those kinds of decisions look i can't be i can't be upset at i you know it, it was the other ones throwing luke jackson and, and tyler matzik out there a fourth straight game absolutely terrified me absolutely <laughs> terrified me i didn't like them going out in game three because of the fact that their stuff looked more hittable. Uh, and it just felt like, okay, we are one pitch away from this being a different game. Uh, and and it felt like, and I, and I even tweeted, before those guys came out, you, you know, you talk about, yeah, 
Charlie gave up uh, what he gave up a run. And then I think um, Jesse Chavez came in and, and kind of, you know, gave up another, they got credited to him. Um, and then Waskari Noah, the guy that we thought was, was surely going to be the guy to start this game looked pretty bad, but mm-hmm. he manages to get out of his inning. Uh, and, and so you just felt with the way this game was, was ebbing and flowing and they were kind of staying on par with each other that sending guys out there who had been seen multiple days in a row. And I'm just imagining the brewers over there in the clubhouse with on the iPads, looking at, you know, what, what Luke Jackson and what Tyler Matzik had done uh, previously in this series before they go up to bat. And I'm, I'm just thinking like that, that scared me so much. And they came through. Yeah. And that was just like, well, that's the easiest way to shut me up is, is, you know, to, show up, pitch hard, and and get through your innings. Yeah, no, I mean, if you looked at this, these matchups before before the playoffs started, um, you know, when you looked at Braves Brewers, you would have thought that clearly the Brewers have the better bullpen. Um, that, that benefits them. And just in general, I think if you were to look at a weakness on the Braves, if you were to look at, like, one of the position groups or whatever, it would be the bullpen. It would it'd be, like, what can you get out of the bullpen um, in this series? And... The bullpen ended up not giving up a single run outside of Waskari Noah's two that he gave up last night, and he's not even like a regular bullpen member. So it's kind of like if you take him out of the picture, no runs given up by this group that was throwing and every again in every single game. And um, I do think that they kind of um, really embraced the the structured roles that they have, where it was like. Luke Jackson was coming in, and then Matt's. It was like Luke had the seventh, Matzik had the eighth, Will Smith had the ninth. I mean, I know that that's not the way that like Craig Council probably would have managed things, you know, where he he was yeah. you know more um, uh, analytical in his approach, I guess. But I think that those guys in the Braves bullpen really kind of embraced that structure that Brian Snicker set up for them. And I mean, I know again, I know it's not kind of the 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 modern way to use a bullpen and sure. And I, you know, I would have qualms with at least one decision that, 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 um, they, that he made last night, which was to bring in Waskar, you know, to face, uh, that portion of the lineup that he did instead of AJ Minter, who would have had better matchups, uh, lefty lefty, um, against a guy like Rowdy Telez, who, who ended up hitting another huge, massive home run for them, for the Brewers last night. But, you know, aside from that, I just think that you just can't really, give this Braves bullpen enough credit for what they did. And um, it really you know gives you uh, a lot of confidence going in, you know, throughout the rest of this playoffs, thinking that if you get this kind of bullpen performance from these guys um, on top of the starting pitching that this team has shown it has uh, in its arsenal, you got to love your chances, no matter who you're playing, you know, because yeah. y- you can essentially kind of bank on shutting teams down pretty well more often than not. Uh, the other part of this game that uh well terrified me once again and made me think it was going to matter way more than it or or more than it ended up mattering uh is a review that then oh my gosh did not become a review had you ever seen uh any sort of scenario where a play is is called into review and then it is determined that it is unreviewable uh, because apparently only uh, only catches made in the outfield can be reviewed. Like this is this is textbook <laughs> Major League Baseball embarrassing themselves once again. That uh, everyone watching that game could see a ball bounce 
uh, and and hit the ground and right. go into uh, uh, I can't even remember who was who was behind the plate at that point. Um, uh, for the yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, uh, you know, I still don't understand it either way. Uh, pro- people more versed in baseball, like Brian Snicker, was talking about it last night, and he was saying that he actually understands why the rule would be defined in such a way in terms of like infield outfield because of runner placement um which i i don't quite follow the the logic but i'm sure it makes sense if brian snicker is saying that that makes sense then it makes sense but what he did say that doesn't make sense uh as it pertains to this rule is if the ball's in foul territory like if it's in foul territory then you're not worried about like where runners might be um and how like replaying the the play and overturning a call would affect like where the runners are because it was a foul. So like, they're not going to be advancing, especially if it's obviously fielded by an infielder. So yeah, that doesn't, uh, I mean, Brian Snicker was pretty uh, cordial about it. He didn't, you know, make it too big of a fuss. Obviously he was pretty happy with, with the result and everything, but that didn't make a lot of sense. But I will say, you know, that was by far as loud as the stadium had been in that game. And, you know, maybe only beaten by Jock Peterson's home run, in in the game prior uh it was the booze that came down were yeah. like it was it was actually kind of cool <laughs> honestly um because you like you hear lots of you know when you're in press box like you you get used to hearing like lots of like very loud cheers when something like a jock peterson home run happens or something like that but to hear the sound of the booing be so loud is like a different sound and it's uh you could tell like it was really it was palpable and you know travis darno said after the game that really fired up the team um I just bet. Hear, hearing that reaction from the fans and then they immediately answered and came back and and scored two runs to to tie up the game later that inning so um, well, yeah, it was awesome. Because I think part of it, too, that just added a little injury to insult was the fact that it was a ball hit by Adam Duvall, uh, yeah. which kind of just uh, fuel to the fire, as we can talk about, you know, Adam Duvall and his his base running blunders, honestly, uh, are just they're so head scratching that they make you they make you start thinking of, all right, there had to have been something going on in his brain. You know, there, there had to have been something that he thought that he just absolutely missed out on, um, which was Adam Duvall is what at second base ball is hit in Christian Yelich's direction and Duvall just books it around third heads home hauling ass yeah. <laughs> and, and and then i think what was kind of one of the funniest things was austin riley standing at second kind of like what do i do yeah uh i guess i'll stand here and you can tag me uh because i think too well he was going was, too you know it was like well but i think there was some uh because if, if i understood this correctly if they had if they had actually just tagged austin riley instead of stepping on the bag that would have come after uh, adam duvall touched home uh, and yeah, so yeah, then yeah. technically the run would have counted right as right. the flip side of that was going on uh you know the, the the game before where there was some questioning of of you know who could score right sort of thing but just this moment of uh when that play happens and adam duvall just books it home they put the camera on the dugout and you just saw Brian Snicker jump up and run 
and he just ran to the tunnel. And I was like, yeah, to have a microphone in that, you know, area uh, probably would have sounded like a sailor ship uh, <laughs> for the number of things that Brian Sticker was probably said. And it also just kind of gets back to this point of when did Adam Duvall amongst the other Braves, but clearly him because he's done it two games in a row. When did he just forget how to run the bases? Yeah. No, I mean, they're like mental mistakes, you know? That's the weird thing is it's not even a physical thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's just, it's bizarre. Uh, well, and well, go ahead. But he's a guy that I feel so betrayed by because like, <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was clamoring for this guy last offseason of like, you got to bring this guy back. Then they didn't. Then they trade for him, you know, right there at the deadline. And I'm like, oh man, like this is the guy. He hit so many home runs in the second half of the season uh, that you just thought, all right, you know, this is going to come to the playoffs and he's going to be such a huge part. And then he's just a part of, of these just massive head scratching plays that uh, as I was texting you, and I, I think the first, my first thought was, would this play be as bad if yesterday hadn't happened? Then mm -hmm. I thought on it a while and I was like, no, yeah, yeah, it really would have been. <laughs> really would have been. And then my second thought was, I was like, what was going through his mind? And the only thing that I could come up with is that he thought there were two outs. And, and I, I think I saw um, a Major League Baseball writer tweet out that, like, the, the first thought that he had of Adam Duvall was that Duvall must have assumed that ball was going to drop in front of Yelich. Mm -hmm. And then the second thought was he didn't know how many outs there were. And he was like, honestly, the second one is worse. And I was thinking, actually, no, I would, I, I mean, <laughs> I would take made, you know, forgot how many outs there were over, um, you know, misreading the ball, I guess. But it just, well, I mean, it was kind of a blooper, but at the end, it wasn't really that even, it wasn't that close of a, no. it wasn't even like a sliding catch or anything like that. It did look like off the bat, I could see why you might think that it could potentially drop, but it was one of those ones that just seemed to like, must've had a lot of backspin or something. And it just kind of kept floating in but, the air. Yeah. But, but I think even, even with that being the case that like, there is a, there is a real chance this ball is going to drop. I still don't think that you're, you as a base runner or ever just are like just reacting going. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I could think of in that situation, I don't think this is the case, but I'm just going to kind of throw this out there, um, which is that maybe there's like some there's some game theory that with the pitcher coming up next, you might as well just run that thing out in hopes that, you know, in hopes that it does drop. Um, and if not, then you're going to look silly, but um you're probably not going to be bad. And, and if, you know, Charlie Morton went down easily on the next, you know, he would have been up with two outs with a runner on second, you know, technically that's a, that's a run scoring opportunity, but he was down easily on the next inning when he hit for himself. So maybe they would have pinch hit for him in that situation. I don't know, but um, it, it certainly was bizarre. And I actually, I think yeah. it was Travis Darno that was on first base. Uh, if I remember correctly. You're right. Um, but um and he, like, but again, that was the weird. Like he was going too. So and I and there are so many things about this I don't understand. Like, is Ron Washington not like yelling yeah. at his ass to like get back? Um, which I didn't notice. Yeah, I I was not paying attention to Ron Washington. Um, and what he was doing while while all that was happening. But just a truly bizarre play. And again, we talked about it after the, in our game three reaction. Um, you know what did we said we said you know, might be wise for Brian Snicker and like the coaching yeah. staff, like send a message to the team. Like, let's like take it a little bit easier on the base pass. Maybe not be 
so aggressive um, because the the game three one was worse. That literally cost them a run. Like it just yeah. cost them a run on the board. Um, at the end of the day, this one didn't, but it almost seemed worse because of the absurdity of it. <laughs> like it was just like, what is going on? It's like something you would watch in like a little league game. You know, like a kid like you know rounding the bases as hard as you can, not knowing that they're is yeah well, one out. Because when you're watching the game at home, when that play happens and you see uh, Travis Darno standing close to second base, I'm thinking, why Why is he not touching the base? Touch the base. Like, what, are yeah. you, what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and then they just kind of like walk over and stand on the base. And then they cut to, uh, you know, Adam Duvall running through home. And you're like, wait, no, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. What happened? You know, it, it's just ha- having this realization of like, no. That was right. not, you know, <laughs> that was not what I just witnessed here. Um, I, I think that was, it was that outlandish of just a, what? Probably less consequential, but more crazy than yeah. than the one in game three. But either way, it's like, who are you? And what have you done with Adam Duvall? It's like, it's yeah. like Scooby-Doo, like ripped the mask off. And it's like some like Brewers guy who's like, I would have well, done it if it weren't for you measly kids. <laughs> And I think that's part of it too with him is that uh, his power really hasn't shown up this postseason either. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those like get in line uh, as far as guys right. who, whose power hasn't necessarily shown up. Uh, but I, I, I guess I, I more so expected that to be there and for it to, for him to kind of be inconsequential uh, in the lineup and then to make those so, you know, random of plays. It's just kind of like, come on, man. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that things look better uh, when when the Braves head out to the NLCS. We talk about the aggressive base running, and then Freddie Freeman had a had a hit later on in the game. I, I can't remember what inning it was, but it was kind of just like a like a pop up that that fell in, and he booked it for a second as well. He made it in yeah. uh, for a double there, but like that was also an aggressive base running move, and it just seemed like, despite the what we said yesterday, I don't think the Braves have any had any intention of kind of becoming less aggressive or becoming more conservative on the base pass. They seem just as aggressive as, as ever. So, you know, maybe these, yeah. those are just, you know, I'm sure Freddie on that one was just trying to, he was just trying to make a play, you know, and get a second, which he did. So good for him. Well, I was about to say, it makes a bit of a difference when you actually make the play. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. You get yeah. that, you get yeah. that benefit we, of the doubt. We want, we want aggressive base running that succeeds, successful, aggressive base exactly. running. That's the ideal. Yeah. All right, Joe, uh, let me ask you this question just straight up. Who do you want the Braves to see, Dodgers or Giants? <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I want the Giants. Not that I think that there's like a huge difference between the two in terms of the quality of baseball teams there they are. Obviously, the Giants won that division uh, over the Dodgers, um, mm-hmm. so clearly a great team. Um, for me, it comes down to just like my emotions and like my personal biases where I've seen too much of the Dodgers in the postseason. Don't want any more of them. Like I've seen and I just don't have any confidence, like seeing the uniforms against each other, you know, in the matchups, just like, uh, just don't want, just brings up the bad, the bad vibes, the bad juju. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then also, you know, aside from that, You've got Trey Turner now on the Dodgers, who notorious Braves killer. Just seems like he gets a hit every single time he's up to bat against the Braves. And you know Max Scherzer, another you know acquisition they made from from the Nationals. You never, I never want to be going up against Max Scherzer in a playoff game. Um, so they've just got too many 
dangerous weapons. You know, Urias has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. Walker Bueller, we know the kind of quality he has. Um, uh, you know, again, when you walk through, when you go through the the players individually, you could say, you know, the Giants also have really good starting pitching and 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 really good hitters, a good lineup. So I don't know if there's that much to to distinguish between the two, but I just have would have way better vibes <laughs> against against the Giants, and I feel like the Braves played the Giants really well and were able to beat them pretty pretty resoundingly a couple times here late in the season. So that gives me some some hope as well. What about you? Uh, so. I I am split into the who do I want the Braves to face the Giants who do I think the Braves are going to face the Dodgers mm, yeah. um it just felt especially watching uh watching that game four last night between the Giants and the Dodgers the Dodgers have that I don't know they have that aura they have that thing that Jock Peterson has kind of brought to this team which is that that clutch ability mm-hmm. uh, that it is so hard to fight through. Can you talk about like the the giant starting pitching really doesn't scare me that much. I know, like the names are not. It's like no, you know. like they're getting it done. I can't, right. I can't right. discount that. But the names uh, don't terrify me. Also, mainly because. There's a lot of former Braves. Yeah, like that, Kevin that, Gosman. Like we yeah. can Kevin Gosman. <laughs> yeah. Uh um who was the other um Alex Wood? Yeah. yeah. Um uh Listella. Like it's just like a lot of these guys are as former Braves, it's almost kind of like, you know what? You were the guys who couldn't get it done before. So <laughs> right. let's let's play you guys in the playoffs and watch you crumble and go home early kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's more of it. I just, there's just something that tells me that the Dodgers are going to figure this thing out uh, because they are so talented because they've got as much as the, I mean, the Dodgers themselves are piecemealing a lot of this stuff together, especially their bullpen, uh, but they are getting it done. Uh, and, and also I think too, um, you know, you got Brandon belt missing on the giant side. You got Max Muncy missing on the Dodgers side. Uh, and I can't tell which of those two guys is going to be able to come back the next series. Um, but selfishly, you know, as a, as a Braves fan, I'm like, well, whoever the Braves face, I hope whichever those guys that's, you know, that they're playing with can't come back right. uh, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, the, the Braves are going to need all the help they can against, you know, those, those surefire teams. Uh, one other thing about this series or, you know, um, I don't know if this plays in the Braves' favor. I don't know if you could pro- possibly predict. Probably wouldn't, actually. But if you're playing in San Francisco, you're dealing with, like, actual weather conditions when you play there yeah. at night. You know, it get, we've seen it get windy there. It's cold there. So just something extra that, that, on the water. that yeah. will change things um, depending on which two teams you play. In L.A. against the Dodgers, you're going to have pretty much ideal conditions when you play there. But it gets really cold in San Francisco at night, and um, it's just really blustery. Yeah, exactly, where that field is. Uh, so that would be something that you have to deal with. The Giants would probably be better equipped to deal with it, considering it's their home ballpark, and they kind of have to play in it all the time, especially you know when it gets later in the later in the season here and it gets colder and stuff like that. But uh, just another little interesting aspect of um, the matchups to watch out for. Uh, so I get like. Since we can, um, and the Jorge Soler news is out that he has COVID. Um, as far as I understand, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Joe, he's out for 10 days um, or 
or well, he's out for it, I guess at least 10 days, but he has to test negative uh, in order to come back with the team. Is, is, is that what you know, as far as you know? So did you, the 10 day thing is that I saw Dave O'Brien tweet that, um, that w- that's what he heard from a source or something about that. There was like a minimum 10 days. Is that where you saw that? Or did you see that somewhere else? Uh, I, I saw it somewhere else on Twitter that someone, no one I, is confirmed. Right. Then that's what I'm going to say. Like, I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, very well could be. I'm not, I'm, I'm not necessarily denying. It. In fact, Brian Snicker was asked about the 10 day thing in the postgame pro- press conference yesterday, which it's kind of, it was like a national writer who or reporter who asked that. It's like anybody who's familiar with Brian Snicker would know, like, he doesn't know he what the doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he said. He's like, Don't ask me. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, which I thought was just, kind of funny. Yeah, he's just gonna talk to whoever is in the know and be like, Can I get him? You know, am I gonna get him back? Yeah. Or I was kind of chuckling it, even while the question was being asked, is like, there's no way he's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, if it is 10 days, you know, I saw like, you know, I think Dave tweeted something about, you know, he can he'll miss a minimum of 10 games and then saying just adding a little comment that you'd be like you could miss him for the entire series, which I guess is technically possible if if it's a short series, if one of the teams is getting swept. But, you know, 10 days, if, if you count yesterday as a day that he missed, um, he would be back for game four. So that would be 10 days. Well, so it's not like, he, I mean, I think you could get him back in the middle of the series. I think the bigger question when it comes to a COVID case like this is, um, you know, what's his form going to be like if he is able to return? Like, is he able to swing and work? Does he have workout facilities like where he lives? Um, you know, because he came here midseason. So is he living in a place that has um facility you know like a a cage or something that he can hit out of like oh there's so many questions about this because that's the thing is like right now with him with him testing positive there's no all right well let me go down to my local batting cages uh you know and and take some swings or let me go to the the brave training facility and take some hacks like no he's got a quarantine like he's got to stay wherever wherever he went is as far as I understand, uh, you know, and if they're taking this seriously, like that is where I, he, that's where he's going to stay. I almost uh, wonder if the Braves could like set up a quarantine, a place for him to quarantine that would have some like training, some things he could do if he's feeling well enough to do it. You never know with well, COVID like how hard it's going to hit somebody. That's part of it too, is you, you have no idea what the lingering effects just short term, much less long term, uh, but short term are going to be. And also, the Braves are going to have to make roster decisions before they're exactly sure what's going to happen with him. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that he's going to get left off this roster, this NLCS roster, just for the fact of, as you were saying, maybe he could come back game four, game five, but because there's so many if, ands or buts, um, I mean, maybe, maybe you leave him on in place of, like a Terrence Gore. Otherwise, well, I don't think he makes this roster. Here's my question about the roster, which is that could the Braves just put him on the roster and then immediately say that he's like out with he's on the COVID IL and they can bring up a taxi squad member and then he that can replace him, but then he can just like come back when he's healthy. Like I and like oh that would be okay. almost like gaming the system uh, in a way. But I, I don't know what exactly well, because co- the COVID injury but, list is so was, specific to COVID. It's yeah. not like a normal injury list. So I don't know exactly what the rules are on, on the thing on something like that. Yeah, you're right. The COVID the COVID injury list uh, is more of a like 
Uh, I mean, that was what part of the tax, like that's what the taxi squad is for, right? Is yeah. that you could replace him with someone on the taxi squad as they did by bringing up, um, um, Pache. Yeah. Pache. Uh, and then when healthy could immediately make that switch. So, so yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I, I was but, forgetting that from my brain, but, but no, but like, I mean, even like, I don't even know, um, with the COVID injury, like obviously in one series, you're not going to have a player go down with COVID and then come back from COVID in the same series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like what that's, I think the mo- the interesting part of this is we know what kind of what the protocol is. Like when a player gets COVID, you, you replace them on the roster with somebody, but what happens when you have a player with COVID and you get to like, is, is, is Solaire on the taxi squad and like gets to come back once he well, clears for, well, you know, Solaire- Solaire would be on the roster and then that's what you I'm would, thinking. Yeah, you would use the taxi squad like they did in this game to call up Pache um and then be so able Pache to So Pache would be called up for game one, essentially. Yeah. And he would I, play until you know, whenever Solaire could come back and then he would kind of resume his place on the roster. And that and yeah. again, we should say, um, you know, the 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 thing here too is that like it doesn't necessarily have to be Pache that is the the taxi squad guy. Like they could make Terrence Gore if they want to keep carrying Terrence Gore and Christian Pasha on the same roster, they could have Terrence Gore be the taxi squad guy and then um, have Solaire replace him in later on in the series if, if they would rather keep Pasha up there. I, it'll be interesting to me to see what kind of changes, if if changes at all, that this team does make to to its roster for uh, you know well, for for, the, for this next roster construction. Yeah, I was just about to say Ricky in the comments was asking. Do you think they bring Strider back to the bullpen? And do you think that Pache is a better option than Waters to replace Solaire in the outfield? I'll answer that second question wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yes. Um, just from, from what we've seen of those two guys, uh, just the fact that Pache has the major league experience. Um, I think for, I think for this team, that's a no brainer decision. Um, however, I've been wrong before because I didn't see Dylan Lee making this roster over Spencer Strider. And I was very surprised to see Strider come in at the end of the season as a possible, um, you know, like late season move. Uh, But like, like we said, I I mean, as as far as Strider making the NLCS roster, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I honestly can't say because I thought he was a sure thing after the way the Braves handled him at the end of the regular season and the fact that he had, you know, that, that 99, 100 mile fastball. Yeah. I, I thought that was a lock. Uh, and then they didn't make that move. And you know, like, like there's been so many things and I'm kind of like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, it's kind of impossible to know because you just don't, you don't, there's no, there's no, not little sample size. There's really like hardly, there's not really a sample at all. Uh, on some of these guys, not not anything you could remotely base like a, a decision. We could base a decision off of. I mean, obviously the Braves will have more of a information on some of these players that that will obviously inform their decision making. Um, you know, I'm I'm with you on on Strider. I think yeah, I was talking to Fricky about it this morning. I would still I would have him on the roster. I thought he was going to be on the division series roster. Yeah. I would I would put him on the well, championship series roster. Well, because here's the here's here's my thing. There was never a moment in this in this NLDS series that I thought, you know who I would want to see right now, Dylan Lee, Dylan Lee, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, we and, never and, did see. And, well, and this is, this is not anything personal towards him. It's not that I don't like the guy. 
Uh, it's not that I don't think that he can grow into, uh, you know, being a part of this bullpen, being a part of this team. I just don't know yet uh, because I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything flashy out of him that would truly catch guys off guard, like what Spencer Strider brought. There were yeah. there was a moment in this game where, or in this series, I should say, where had Spencer Strider walked into the game, I'd have been like, okay, game three. Um, there was definitely a point that if Spencer Strider had come in and you know and kind of fanned three guys with his fastball, uh, mixing in some off speed, you know, I'd have I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that that didn't happen, the fact that Snit decided to lean so hard onto Luke and to and Tyler, uh, made me think, all right, well, honestly, um, doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter who those other guys are going to be because Snit's clearly going to lean on um the guys who have done it, his, have done yeah, it before. His, his tried and true guys, his core guys, which is which is right. Um, you know, so we didn't see Dylan Lee. Jacob Webb or Drew Smiley. Those were the three pitchers for the Braves that did not pitch at all in the division series. So I think that if you're looking at somebody who would be getting replaced, I think it's clearly one of those three. It seems to me, so we we had talked about Drew Smiley and our thinking and the reason why he would have started game four was the fact that it seemed like the situation that 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 would be why you put him on the roster. What would be to pitch that game against the Brewers against, you know, to have the left-handed starter going against them who they really struggle against. Um but it does seem now so considering they did not use him in that situation, I feel like they must think of him as the kind of long extra inning guy. Uh if if something if it goes into extras, if he's like pretty much the last arm on the on the that you can go to, he will like finish out a, a game that goes a long ways. Um, so, well, I, if that's his role, then I think he's probably safe for this mm-hmm. next roster. He's probably, he probably just had the same role and you probably won't see much of him in the championship series, unless you have a crazy situation like that. So then you're looking at probably it's Jacob Webb was warming up to go into the game yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think that he's probably a guy that, that Brian Snicker, would rely on. I think it's Dylan Lee. I think you're right. I think he's, it's probably between Spencer Strider and Darren Lee. Uh, I I think that that's, or Dylan Lee, that's, that's probably the, the, the options that the Braves are looking at there. Uh, I can't really see them doing anything else kind of crazy. But it also just seems like that would, that, I mean, you want to add to the list of weird decisions to be made. If, if, if the Braves manage to bring up Spencer Strider, um, like, that's a that's a total game move. Like that's a total play in chess kind of thing. Uh, and I, I I don't know if there'd be a matchup that that they like Strider over Lee or whatever. But uh, that just feels like yeah to not bring him up for this series and then to make that move. Yeah, they, I don't know. There's just something. It, it feels so bizarre. But then at the same time, could be completely inconsequential because those guys could potentially never get touched uh, if, you know, if, if this upcoming series gets managed uh, the way the previous one has. However, something just, I mean, it seems pretty obvious the way that the Giants and the Dodgers are playing that when the Braves get into this next series, it's going to be a lot of runs. I, I don't imagine uh, the same, uh, you know, two to one, three yeah. nothing type scores uh, I think there's going to be some pretty big runs scored, more like what we saw last night with the Braves uh, and Brewers. So, 
with that, there, there could, you know, the potential of more arms getting used seems pretty likely, especially like you talked about with extra inning games. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, if you can, if you can, I think the low scoring games probably benefit the Braves. If you're, yeah. I mean, if you're holding teams to that little amount, you got to like your chances. Uh, but you have to think that things are going to start going a different way. Um, I'm just trying to think of the, if there are any other obvious changes and I can't really think of any, um, of players you might want to put on this roster that, that weren't on the, the division series roster. Um, I'm thinking maybe even a Shea Langoliers, like he's been one of the Braves top, you know, um, minor league hitters, uh, position players this season. And, you know, I know they already have William Contreras on there, but, you know, either one of those guys could be a decent pinch hitting option. And, and you know, if you burn that guy as a pinch hitter, you're not burning your backup catcher as well. So maybe you, you could add someone like that on, um, I don't know, who knows? We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to, Joe, before we get out of here? Um, not, not, not that I can think of. I mean, I just want to just uh yesterday was like what sports are all about you know it was just like so awesome um especially like i've, I've been thinking like for freddie you know when he he said something that really struck me which was that when you're a kid this is exact like that's exactly the kind of situation you think of you know it's like you're going up against the top closer game on the line it wasn't te- it wasn't technically a walk-off but um i just still can't get over just how dramatic that all was and um, I feel very appreciative that we were just kind of able to witness something like that because, you know, that's, again, that's why we, that's why we watch the game. That's why those guys play the game. And so, uh, I would just kind of urge everybody to just kind of cherish, cherish the moment. I mean, I know that obviously there's more on, hopefully more on the way for this team. Um, hopefully they can build on last year's NLCS. I do think they're better set up this year going into the NLCS than they were last year, despite the fact that they're on their second and a half string outfield now that yeah. Solaire's gone. Um, just, the, just simply because the rotation's in so much better shape. You have so much more confidence in those guys than you would have last year where you were piecing things together, starting AJ Minter in games, things like that. Well, so I guess, so then let me ask this before we get out of here. Because um, you saying that makes me wonder how you feel about, uh, the, do you think it matters, Giants or Dodgers? Do you think the Braves... Uh, are better than either of these two teams or are they going to come into this series um, as the, the lesser of whatever team they face? Cause I, I think so. I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I think, I mean, I, I think bookies will have either the giants or the Dodgers yeah. as pretty heavy just, favorites in the series. Yeah. I just want, I just wanted to, to, to test the, you know, Joe Patrick's pulse over the, the, opti- the, the optimism, the heat check as yeah. Dominique Williams uh, might say. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, um, I just, I just wanted to make sure because you know, I mean, but uh, I mean, they were they were heavy, heavy underdogs last year, uh, and they probably should have won that series uh, if not well, for some. They should have. They should have. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. let's, let's let's be honest. They should have. Uh, and, and so. The, the, I, I guess I w- the, the point being is that it's a short, it's a series, is a short series. So despite the fact that maybe you know if you spread it over a hundred games, it would probably be a lot more obvious who might win. Um, it's a short series one, so that kind of gives any team any matchup you're going to have. You know, there's always going to be a team that has maybe an extra um, ability to to pull out something out of their butts. But all, I mean, you also have to look at the Braves' record over the second half of the season. You know, when you look at the, their win totals matched up over the entire season it looks like not that competitive 
But if you only look at what the Braves have done in the second half of the season, they're playing over 600 ball. You know, they're among yeah. the best teams, if not, you know, the hottest team in baseball in the second half of the season. So I think that that's something you really have to take into account when you're looking at matchups like this. I, I want to finish this with a question that you brought up at the beginning of this. You said that uh, you were kind of asked, is this the end of the road for the Braves or do the Braves have a team that can truly make a World Series run? Look, I, I will say this once again. I, I feel like I've said it on this show so many times. The fact that uh, baseball is the type of sport that teams go on runs and teams that it maybe really doesn't make sense for them to be in their position, for them to, to win a World Series. I think of, you know, uh, just a couple of years ago, like I, I brought up the Nationals and what they did before that it really didn't make sense. It didn't seem like it was their time yet. It's not the Braves' time yet. The Braves have so many things to to stand in their way of truly winning a World Series, but, I mean, they, they've made it this far. Like, they have gotten to this point. It's, it's not necessarily always made sense. And so while I don't think this Braves team is a World Series champion, I've been proven wrong so many times just this season alone. So I'm not willing to to count them out um, because why not at this Some, point? Sometimes, maybe this is just me, but I feel like as a sports fan, sometimes when it doesn't feel like your time actually is unlocks when... something about the team that gives you mm-hmm. something special that does allow you to go on and win. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you do feel like we are stacked this year, we, this is the year we're going to do it, Everything we got everything going for us, something happens or there's like some pressure mounts because you have this expectation on you that, that you're supposed to, you know, win something and you don't end up doing it. So I do think that that is uh, something that could potentially just psychologically work in the Braves' favor. The fact that they feel like they're playing with house money or that's not the way they think about it, but that's what they feel, you know? So uh, I I do think that that is kind of a little extra dynamic. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. So Braves fans have some optimism. Um, and uh, I won't tell you what team to to root for uh, in game five of this uh, Dodgers and Giants series. But uh, either way, we'll 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 know pretty soon and, and be able to figure out um, how this Braves team is going to to match up. Uh, so once again, Joe and I will be with you uh, right after game one of the NLCS. Um, well, and- we should talk about I because I tweeted out that it was I was like, see you in game three from Truist Park. But apparently they would host game one if they play the Dodgers. Um, when we left the press conference room, the, the Major League Baseball communications person was like, see you guys on the West Coast. So I and, and I wasn't really even thinking about it because I knew the other two teams both had way better records. So I was just like, all right. Yeah, they're going to be on the road. for That's the first right. Game. Because but they were the wild card cannot because host. The, they were the a game. wild card. Yeah. So that so is we'll right. See. But we'll be here immediately post game, the road games and yeah. the home games. There will just be a little bit of a delay. If not, the next morning it just depends on what yeah. our bosses want. So, but we'll be here reacting to all the games eventually on this on Facebook Live. All right. So, for my co host, Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Thanks for watching Batter Up. Okay. Picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 